0: yes, here we are, another episode of Keo Conversations. I am your host, Mark Champagne, and it is my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. This is super exciting. This is our first live audience Keo Conversations podcast, including the full Q&A at the end. So I'm excited to share this with all of you. Please do let me know if you want more of these and we'll do our best to arrange um, some more live talks. It was it was really fun. Uh, There's obviously a, a vibe or energy in the room when you have an audience in front of you, and the questions are really awesome as well. So this conversation really is all about human potential and how to move forward when your human spirit is truly challenged to its core. James is a perfect guest to speak about this His, you'll see once we get into the conversation his background what he's gone through in his life and how he's come out the other side in terms of the work and and the person he's become because of it is is really remarkable so please enjoy this conversation with myself James and a live audience. Before we jump in, please do leave us any type of review if you're enjoying these conversations. They do go a long way. And lastly, this podcast as well as this conversation is all brought to you with the support of Keo, which is our daily mental fitness app. All of these incredible guests end up in app to help guide you through your daily reflection. So all you have to do is search KYO in the Apple App Store and it will pop up. Thank you, as always, for being awesome and for giving us your time and have the best day yet. All right, let's let's rock a podcast together. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Thanks for coming out. Really appreciate uh, to seeing all these faces. It's, uh, it's going to be an exciting conversation with Mr. James over here. Um, just to provide a little bit of context on why you're here, in case you don't know why you're here, it's not just a live audience podcast that we're uh, putting on. It's actually quite a bit more, uh, which I'll explain in, in a minute. But first, who am I? My, my name is, is Mark Champagne, and I'm one of the co-founders of an app called KYO, K-Y-O. And it's, um, it's a mental fitness app that's designed to help people really elevate their mindset and mood and you know either take people that are here and want to perform at these levels or someone that's kind of sliding down and bring them back up. That's essentially what we're, we're trying to do. And the reason I say that you're kind of all part of this is that this podcast, you'll be able to find in, in the podcast world, so iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all that stuff, but it also lives in the app. And the app in the last five months has reached over 65 million people around, around the globe. So, you know, your participation at the end of this, with any questions or comments and anything that comes out of James' mouth and any questions, really has the, the chance to impact a life, essentially. And what I've learned through this journey is that you know, everyone's different, right? So, it could be just a statement in this conversation, it could be a question, it could be just an observation, but that's all that one person needs to kind of take a different perspective on wherever they're at in their life. So, truly from the bottom of my heart, thank you for for being here and being a part of that experience and, and journey. So, to introduce james he um i i, I met him through Keo originally, but I have to say over the last few months uh, I, I consider him a dear friend it's uh it's been a privilege to to getting to know james he's he's as you'll probably hear in the in the conversation he's gone through you know some experiences and circumstances that uh, many of us probably will have a hard time even relating to but I think what's important is that the outcome of those experiences could have been a lot different than him sitting here with us today to share that story and share some of the practices that keep him operating on a daily basis so it's it's a privilege to, to have him here it's a privilege to be able to talk a little bit about the work he's doing and and the and the, the passion and the and the motivation he's he's received through his life journey to start rainmaker enterprises which um, and you can talk about this later as well, but from from my understanding, that you know the main mission is really to bring unique technology and solar powered systems to South uh, South Sudan, but worldwide eventually, to help uh, eliminate food security issues. And you know that's kind of a loaded statement, I have to admit I was a bit naive to what what that meant. You're thinking of just water, you think of the necessities of life, but what happens is it's not just drinkable drinking water or water for your crops. It's when you don't have these necessities, it, it stimulates conflict. And then conflict stimulates into wars. And then, unfortunately, the first line of defense is, or typically, child soldiers. So when you think of solving problems through through water initiatives, it's, it's so much more than just providing you know, access to clean drinking water. So... With that being said, uh, please join me in welcoming James for this conversation.) So James, um, the way I start off all of the podcasts is usually with a, a quite loaded question, and uh, you're on the same hook for this question, and it is,
1: who are you? You know, I, I don't normally define myself. Um, just because um, I consider myself a very complex human being. And I also think that each and every individual, including yourself, is really complex. Um, I cannot describe you as the co-founder of KIO, for example, because you are more than that. You are a husband, you, you are a father, you, you are a brother or a child of somebody. So I'm, I'm human, that's what I would say. Yeah. Uh, beyond being the founder of Rainmaker Enterprise and being the executive director and all the other things that you know people know of me, I'm a complex human being.
0: Sure. Well, and we'll we'll break that down a little bit uh, further. Why don't we, why don't we back it up a little bit? What, what what has brought you here? I mean, there's a lot of detail in that, obviously, but the summary of, of how you're sitting in this this chair today, today, how did it start? Let's let's start with your first business.
1: Okay, um, so to give a little bit of context to people that uh, were not part of the conversation that that question came from, um, before starting Rainmaker Enterprise, uh, a few years ago in South Sudan, actually more than a decade ago, um, at this point in time, I was 10 years old, I ventured out on an adventure to start a business uh, with a group of three other Uh, young boys like myself at the time. And essentially the business that we started was to cope with the war environment that we were born into in in Sudan at the time. Um, uh, Some of you who are familiar with Sudan, uh, Sudan has been going through war for the last 60 years. And there are generations and generations of uh, people who are born into this context that have to find ways to cope. Uh, that war has taken families, it has taken mothers, it has taken fathers. In my case, it took away my father. Um, it took away other relatives, and it distorted the whole of the society that I came from. And, and that meant I, I had to grow up uh, immediately. Uh, as soon as I was five, I knew things were not right. Um, I knew things were not right, you know, like just observing some of the things that my mom was, would go through. I knew things were not right uh, when I had to flee uh, at, at age four with with my family to go hide ourselves so that we don't get bombed and, and, and our household being burned by militia groups. So by the time I was 10, I I, I wanted to find a way that I would actually maybe support myself to go to school and support my family. At this point in time, I thought of the only idea was to actually start a mango business. Um, Because uh, it's one of uh, the fruits that I love a lot. Um, I I cannot resist it until now. (laughs) And I actually discovered that other people cannot resist it too. And if other people cannot resist it, then it's a great business opportunity. Um, And so I ventured out from my small town to another town that is maybe nine hours away by walking, by foot. So we walked, we slept on the way. The following day we arrived in this town. It's a ghost town, essentially, that was bombed out uh, during the war. And uh, there's plantations and plantations of mangoes that were just rotting and no one uh, was actually eating the, the mangoes. So we risked, and wherever there is a high risk, there is also a high return. So we, got, we went there, spent a night. The following morning, we went, pick up as many mangoes as we could. But I mean, there was also a restraint. I had to pick what I could carry at 8.10. So I picked what I could carry, and my friends also picked what they could carry. And we came back, spent another night on the way, and the following day, we came back, We arrived back in our town, set up the, uh, wash our mangoes and set up the small uh, table. And within 30 minutes, all the mangoes were gone. They've been bought. And um, the money that I got from that, I saved that and invested it into buying commodities and then uh, that I would then break into small portions that uh, families who don't have a lot of money can actually afford. And so from there my business grew.
0: I have I have to stop you there cuz for perspective, how old were you again? 10. 10. Yeah. So <laughs> it's fascinating. Where did where did that entrepreneurial spirit come from? Did you learn that from someone in your in your family or was this, you know, a result of obviously the, the environment that you're in and it was you had to do something different? But where cause you mentioned a few insights there that don't normally show up until people are well past 10, let's just say.
1: I mean, I think the only person in my family who was a businessman uh, was my uncle, my maternal uncle. Uh, And I think from history, that's the only person I know. But um, for me, I was just driven by a desire to, 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 to find a sustainable solution to the predicament that I was in. You know, I wanted my own independence to be able to wake up in the morning and go to school when I can provide myself the school uniforms. I have the freedom to, you know, give some money to my mom so that she doesn't ask me to remain at home and help her or something like that. So I was essentially buying my own freedom. And, um, and just starting out with the goal of what I wanted, the business side of things was just a means for me. To, to get what I wanted, which was to go to school. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you. So you have a, a thriving mango business, let's call it, and, and other uh, initiatives going on. And then at one point, you decide to, to leave. Why?
1: Um, uh, <laughs> so my pursuit, as I said, I started business because I wanted education. So my business grew uh, over, over, over time. And then at one point, I decided that my business grew to a point that I had to hire somebody to be able to take care of business as I go to school. Uh, And then I continued like that. But then meanwhile, as my business was growing, the war environment was also growing. And I was also now growing. I had an awareness of what was happening around me. And other forces around me were also growing at a faster rate than I had anticipated. Um, for example, a high number of other young people like myself were getting recruited into the militia groups to be soldiers and, and all of that. Um, and I stayed out of all of that, you know, I, because I was focused on my business, my family, and, and, and all those things that I was having a hold on. But a ton of events happened uh, when an opportunity opened up to go to another, to trans, transfer to another place. Uh, This opportunity came up as uh, an education opportunity, at least on the surface. Um, And uh, uh, an organization came in and decided to take children to uh, a place for us at the time we knew that we were being taken to school. But actually it was a a program for uh, demilitarizing the children that have gone through war and all of that. I didn't know this because I didn't know war was a disease that I have to, you know, I was living with it. So when we went to this particular program, uh, it turned out to be a huge failure um, because uh, it was uh, thousands and thousands of other boys that were collected from around the country and put together. And within like a month, we were already like we turned into like this violent force that was, you know, fighting each other and uh, like fighting the villages that, we were, that were nearby and the villages nearby fighting back and uh, a lot of people were lost in the process, some kids. And from there, some of the friends that I knew officially joined militia groups and became soldiers. And this was the option that I had at this point now. Um, so to escape, the first thing I did was to just flee and I went home. Back to my my small town, when I went there, the forces that I was running away from were everywhere. I could see them around me, uh, even though I went and revived my business because one thing that I did while I was running the business was to invest in assets in South Sudan. The assets that people invest in are livestock, cows, goats, and all of those. So I had bought some goods and other livestock, so I went and took like some of those goods and. Res- I sold them and restarted the business. This time I had a more capacity to begin like really uh, big than I started before with a mango. Uh, <laughs> um, so when I started this business, my, my, my awareness of the world around me was growing, like at a faster rate it and I, I, I look ahead and I saw where I would be if I continued to be in the same environment and I knew if I were to remain there, it's either I join the militia group as the only other option, or maybe I get killed in the process. So at this point, I decided that I was going to leave on my own means. How did you process all of that?
0: Because that's a lot, right? And you're surrounded by all of these other circumstances, and I imagine a lot of your friends, right, as you're saying, are, are joining these, these groups. So how did you step back and really process that for yourself and say, you know, that, that's not for me. I'm going to... Because that's a lot of pressure, right, from a very young age.
1: I think uh, one thing that I said before is um, when you experience uh, big, big, big problems at a scale, um, I think either two things happen. It's either you become you know, uh, overcome by them and you become dumb and essentially you are of no use uh, and then you drown. Or um, you bounce off and, 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 you know, you may bounce higher than any other human being and uh, no matter what your age is. And so um, something that I will go into later on uh, in this conversation is uh, the, the issue of human spirit. Um, And so, a human spirit is equivalent to each and every other human being. Uh, Some of us who are born in, you know, in comfortable environments, uh, like, usually do not not get to tap into that. Like, we don't tap into our human spirits that much. Because, you know, we are living in a comfortable environment. You get out in the morning, like, you're not worried about anything and, and all of these things. So, you don't get to, like... Dig deeper into what you are made of as a human being, but when you are put into situations where you are challenged to the bare minimum, then you get to actually uh, tap into that source and it 's an immense source so that 's what I tapped into
0: so y- you also i 've heard you talk about defining people that everyone has greatness in them right how in your opinion, just going through the experiences that, that you've lived through, how do you go about tapping into that?
1: Yeah, so I believe for sure, like some, from my experiences and the experiences of other people, uh, there are people out there who have lived uh, through some of the things that we cannot even imagine at all. Um, it doesn't matter if you are born into a war-torn environment and you experience these things, you can also be born in Toronto, grow up in Toronto, and go through some visceral experiences that other human beings in Toronto cannot go through. Um, but you still find some of those people actually getting out of those experiences and still live to uh, lives that are so inspiring. And and so, to me, as uh, an accumulation of like you know just reflecting on my own experiences, and also reflecting on the experiences of other people who have gone through some of the most difficult things that we cannot imagine ourselves. For example, someone losing their, their limbs, they don't have hands, they don't have legs, but they still do things that human beings who have both hands and legs cannot do. To me, that points to something. It points to something that like each and every individual human being is built with an innermost amount of greatness in them. It's, the only thing though is that not all of us realize that we have uh, a, a huge amount of greatness in us. And so uh, most human beings... End up uh, living an average life, or end up living life that is below their potential, and 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 and. I'm always asking myself, can you imagine if we all lived our own potential as human beings? Uh, there would be no war, there, there would be no hunger, there would be no people who are dying of uh, lack of water, and all these other things that we are facing with are just fighting each other over limited resources and all of that. Because we have the immense ability to just live a life of greatness, really, as, as every other human being that exists in the world.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I think it, I think it comes down to perspective as well, right? And it's you mentioned, you know, even us, you know, living in Toronto, there are, there are circumstances that we can't relate to. But there's, I, I just I'm thinking back of a story you told me when you first arrived here and your experience in the subway. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'll let you explain this, but the, this is perspective on what's in front of your eyes right now, and because I, I think what you are talking about we all have the potential, right? But we need an event or we need something to unleash that potential or change the perspective, right? So l- l- let's talk a little bit about perspective. Why don't you share that story when you, when you first arrived here? Coming from, that's why I wanted to set up a little bit of what you came from, but then now you arrive here in Toronto, right? And you're, you're in the subway. What did you feel while you're on that train?
1: Um, you know, I've had... Uh because I've had a very interesting life of traveling from country to country from city to city um, and just different contexts you know like uh, living from my small market to go to a bigger market that has all these mangoes to me that is a perspective up there living <laughs> <laughs> uh, from Kenya to come to Canada in itself is also another perspective you know uh, Canada is considered North America in fact. Uh, something that most Canadians don't know uh, as much as we don't like Americans, Canada is considered as America. Um, people don't differentiate like which one is Canada or which one especially in remote parts of the rest of the world so but that is basically a context to tell you that like how Canada is considered in terms of development it's considered a very developed country. And it's considered a country where, you know, life is is good. People are quite, you know, happy and and, and all of these things. So for me, like, you know, like, I became also, I bought into that. And I arrived here, um, actually, I came here four years and six months ago. I arrived at a time that is difficult, not only for someone who is coming from a warm climate, but even to Canadians themselves. <laughs> I, I came during the winter time, which was one of the worst winters in Canada, as I was told, in Welcome. 35 years. That is what I was told. And so that was December 2013, and there was actually a blackout here in Toronto uh, because, because of ice storm. That's how bad it was. Um, I, I was asking myself what my mom would say if i, I couldn 't describe it to her because it 's just like beyond description, um, so uh, given the nature of the climate that I was in, I was forced to, to use means of transportation that will allow me to only get a small a little a glimpse of just like coal and you know and, and, and that is, I was committed to just using the tunnel, the subway. I was actually quite excited to use the subway. Um, because the idea of going underground and you're traveling is, is also exciting in itself. And then I went on the subway. People are seated like the way you people are seated. And the way you are quiet now, that's how quiet it is in the subway. So for me, uh, when I left Nairobi, Nairobi is a big city. It's the largest city in, um, in eastern Africa. When you are in Nairobi and you are caught in traffic, when you are driving your own car, and another person is driving his own car or her own car next to you on your right-hand side, you pull down your window and you chat with each other. <laughs> it's, you, talk about, uh, you talk about the weather, you talk about you know the work, and, and, and then at some point you actually exchange numbers. Um, and then you call each other and your friends. And then I'm here, I'm in the subway, and I'm trying to... I'm trying to have a, 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 just a look in the eye, and the other person, the other person is looking the other way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just a gaze, a human gaze, to be able to see each other in the eye is is is, is awkward, and, and and people are keeping quiet, and people look so, to me at least, this is uh, people look so stressed out, and uh, so I thought maybe maybe the weather that is the problem. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and uh, that was a perspective for me yeah. because I thought I came to you know, a very developed country where people have abundance of resources that they don't have to be stressed about anything and just to not see people actually talk to each other in the first place not even looking at each other was uh, a very intriguing experience for me and um, that was one. And number two, like, uh, I spent a week and then I decided, okay, I'm going to just walk and go find something to eat. And while I was on the way to the restaurant that I was going to, I found somebody that was sleeping on the warm outside. My um, new, this is more than negative 20. And to find somebody sleeping outside in a cold like that uh, not even in South Sudan, which is a war-torn country where the war is happening, would you find somebody sleeping outside. You know, like uh, it, it's unimaginable. So some of these things, I pieces, I piece them together, and 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 I was just, you know, where is, where, where am I? So that th- th- that was well, the question. Where's
0: the humanity in it?
1: Right? Where is humanity? So how, how did how did you how did you process that? Because that,
0: that's a big. I'd imagine you're probably a little bit disappointed in what you're walking into, but how did you, like what did you learn from that experience? Because you're still here, which is great, and we're, we're trying to be better, <laughs> right? But what did what did you learn from that personally?
1: I mean, on a personal basis, uh, it took me a long time of questioning people, uh, but more so I came to a very intellectual environment, so uh, University of Toronto, and, um, And so books have always been my uh, greatest resource of trying to find knowledge. So uh, I had to understand the economic structure, the social structure, and and all of this. And so even though I may not have a human understanding, I think I may say I have uh, an economic and social understanding of why this is the case. Yeah, yeah. So um, and that brings me to something else, which is the idea of systems. And the systems that we have created as human beings to govern ourselves and to guide us, uh, of which some of the systems that we ascribe to, have, we have also been uh, a prisoners of all those systems too. And I think uh, that, that was my final thought on the topic. Interesting.
0: Um, before we get into your own Personal mental fitness practices. I definitely want to ask you questions around that. Uh, I just want to provide a little bit more perspective on, on how you got to Rainmaker Enterprises. You went to school and you finished your, your program, which, you know, you could have stayed into, in, into that field or do what you're doing now. So how did you get to that point? And then I'd, I'd love to talk a little bit more about some of your daily practices and routines that keep you operating at this
1: at this level. So um, so I came to provide a little bit context. I came to Toronto specifically on a scholarship program uh, direct to the University of Toronto. And um, for a long time, I, I would describe myself then that for a long time I was on the run. Um, I was always focused on the next step. You know, first I didn't know if I was going to finish grade 8, which is, you know and then grade eight finished, and I didn't know if I was going to go to high school, and, and then I went to high school, and I didn't know if I was actually going to finish high school. So my target was to finish high school, and by the time I was about to finish high school, um, I had to invest so much of my time and energy into how do I get to university. So um, when I was in, as I said, the reason why I fled the country in the first place was to at least you know, go to an environment where I can avoid some of the things. Uh, like being recruited into the army or you know, just getting killed in, in the process. And uh, just to also just pursue, I wanted to finish grade eight. That was the target. And then I came finished grade eight and I went back to the country and I worked for a bit and my target at the time, I had expanded to finishing high school. And I finished high school and I was like, I want to go to university and I'm at university and now I didn't know what next. Like, so I discovered for a long time, I've just been in pursuit of education, and I didn't know what this education would turn into. Um, At the back of my mind, I was looking at things like, you know, being a doctor, those, those things that people throw out, you know? Like, you are a smart person, you can do this, you can do that. So, at first, you know, to flow with people, I used to say, I may become a doctor, or I could become a lawyer, or I could become, you know, some of those things that uh, I also wanted to become a correspondent, for example, like a news correspondent for, at the time, I grew up listening to BBC, so I wanted to be a correspondent for BBC. And that was one thing that I was fascinated with at the, at the time. And now here I was, stranded, um, the only options that were available are limited. I could become a lawyer here or just work on Bay Street or things like that. So I had a lot of review process that was happening mentally.
0: How were you doing that tactically? Were you writing that out? Were you talking to people? Like what, what was the process?
1: Um, it was a combination of both. It was talking to people, both uh, people who are already in the field. Um, I think for most people, including maybe yourself, is uh, when you go through education, you have your parents who ha- who were in school before you. You have relatives who who are in certain profession, so you always have a guidance. Even the one that you don't know, for me, it's different. I've always been, you know, just finding the path on my own, and so it involved talking to people. It involved talking to like uh, researching on you know online about careers and all of this. And then I, I figured that the best thing that I would actually do would be to review my own journey. Um, review my own journey of what it took for me to be where I am today, and then project into the future where I will be. you know, By this time when I was doing this, maybe I was, this is two years ago, so I was maybe 26, I think. So I, was, I, I had to project into the future, you know, I've lived for 26 years, and who knows, maybe I may leave for the next, you know, I don't know how many, and what, what will those years amount to? That's one. Second, what as the, the experiences that I've gone through, what are they worth, are the worth a cubicle somewhere to just sit at a cubicle on Bay Street, and then you know click in uh, digits per day and then check out and then get a paycheck by the day by by the end of the day. So I, I ask myself all these questions, and then I arrive to you know uh, a decision that I think it's actually important to. I found like a huge gap, like a big problem that exists that still exists. Uh, where, you know, so many and millions of children are still fleeing like I did as a teenager uh, because of lack of or conflicts from some, you know, limited resources and, and things like that. And I wanted to at least apply myself, apply my energy for the next few years ahead of me to something that would build an infrastructure that can cut that link. And that's where InMaker was born.
0: Well, th- thanks for sharing that. I mean, I love the review process. I think, I mean, we don't all have to go through um, really tough circumstances to go through a review process, right? To, we can just review our own life and and see. I, I love the question of you know what, what were the, what are these experiences worth, right? And again, I, I think it goes down. There's two main themes I feel that are developing in this this conversation is perspective, and two being very clear i think on your goals it sounds like from the very beginning from the, the first mango business that there were there were goals right in your life and and now your goals have shifted into giving back and helping others so james i'm curious you you travel a lot you know you're talking all over the world you're uh, part of the un there's uh, i feel like anytime i'm i'm looking up your your social media accounts you're you're somewhere what What are the non-negotiables in your life, either mentally or physically, that you have to do? It could be, you know, meditation, writing, whatever. But what are the things that, you know, when you're not in your regular routine, you know that you have to do?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, um, I'm always on the road, maybe. I was actually... (laughs) <laughs> I was supposed to be in Geneva yesterday. I didn't tell you because I didn't want to cause panic. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't want to cause panic. But um, I did cancel the the, the trip because um, I, I saw that maybe in case anything happened, then I will miss this talk, which is, you know, it's, I put it on my calendar a long time ago. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think one of the things that I do that is non-negotiable is, uh, for me, my personal space is very important. Um, like, I'm, I'm, soci- I'm both social and also I know when to, uh, you know, live in my own, in my own head um, and create my own space in my mind. And uh, even when I'm with people, I can decide to do that. Um, so that's one. And I do that in different... I accomplish that in different ways. So every time I travel, for example, if I hit the ground, I'm going to a new city. Most of the places I go to most of the time... Uh, it's only New York that I've been to like a few times. Most places that I go to, I go to there for the first time. And so the first thing that I do is uh, I hit the ground, check into the hotel, and you know uh, make sure... I go for a walk, no matter what time of the night I have arrived, um, and no matter where I am in the world. Uh, in May, I was in Milan, and I was warned that, you know, it can be a little bit violent sometimes, like there are robbing or something that could, you know, so take care. Uh, but I, even when I went there, I arrived, and I just check in, and I got out, went for a walk, maybe 30 to 45 minutes most of the time. I do that to take in, you know, take in the environment to excite my my brain and you know make sure I see like what my I scan my environment and also to pay attention to, you know, where I am. And, and and I find that, and then I come back and I have that calmness that it comes with it, you know, knowing that I am, you know, I I'm in control of my environment. So that's one. Uh, number two is something that I learned a few years ago uh, throughout my life journey, which is combining work with fun. Uh, because growing up, you, I did a little bit of farming, or even the time that I went for my first mango business, the trip, to someone that would be work. But to me, at the time, it was, it was fun. Because, you know, I was with these other three boys who are my age and we were playing and we were running uh, you know, we were poking each other and all of that. And we arrived, we got we did the job. Same applies to farming. You're doing your own farming and then there is a music that you put on or you sing as you farm and all of these things. And and this is there's nothing new about this. This is humanity at its core, right? Like that's how as human beings over the years uh, that's how we were made. You know, we were wired to to combine. You know, uh, work with also fun. And so I, I try to bring that with me to even my professional settings. Um, you know, waking up in the morning and making sure I have you know uh, nice music that I listen to. I can actually do a little bit of a dance before I leave, and then. And, and then leave for work, and I go to work while excited, and you know my, I'm in good spirit. Um, and I do the same too when I when I get out of the plane, when I'm about to tight down. There is there are particular songs that I put on, and then I listen to the songs, and I hit the ground, and I'm excited, you know.
0: So yeah, I can just picture you're you're dancing off the tarmac,
1: <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah, it, it maybe not physically, but mentally, I'm actually dancing. Yeah.
0: How have you found? Because I, I mean, I'm going back to even the, the subway experience, right? Uh, and your most of your team is is here, right? How have you How have you injected some of these these mentalities or these these activities that fuel you into the team environment as well?
1: So I mean, the same thing. I think uh, life again, coming back to my life experiences, is that. No matter what difficulty you're going through and you go through that difficulty with you know humor and 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 just like a bit kind of you know spirit, you can turn something that is dark into something humorous and something uh, fun to do. Um, I know this from the time I live you know in the camp and all of that, and uh, uh, the same I bring it to to the team sometimes especially when we are dealing with uh, difficult stuff. Uh, you know, like every team has difficult things that they have to go through. And and to be able to uh, bring in some sort of humor to something that is like, you know, almost disintegrating sometimes, create that sense of um, you take off the weight and you let the problem, you are essentially laughing at the problem, you know, uh, when the problem is here on your face trying to bark at you, like to, to get you down, Yeah.
0: Um, I want to res- release some time for questions. But what are what are three questions, reflective questions, that you find circulate in your life, either during big life changing events or just on a frequent basis? And, and as you know, these these questions will be loaded up into the app to hopefully help others in, with their daily reflection. Um,
1: so, some of the recurring questions that I ask my, myself: um, one. Uh, what are my life, my life's patterns. So from today, when I woke up in the morning until now, what are some of the patterns that I can look back throughout the day that I picked up today, that I picked up last month, that I picked up you know, last year and a few years before? And what are some of those life patterns that I can retain? So what are my life's patterns?
0: So when, when, when do you go through that reflection? Like, do you set time every day, every week? Are there, are there moments that stimulate that? Because I think that's the hardest thing, right? Um, just interviewing a lot of people about this. How do you stop and slow down to actually, A, ask the question, but then actually think about it. And then make the change, if there, if there is a change. Or to acknowledge you know, like you're saying, these patterns, right? So what's your, what's your process like? What does that look like?
1: I think the most important thing for me, at least, is um, I know in order to be able to deliver at an excellence that I define for myself, um, I've got to do a review process somehow. And set my own time to reflect on what I did, and, you know. And maybe some of the things that I can see, that I can retain, and some of the things that I need to cut instantly. Uh, that way, I'm able to cut out some, you know, like everybody has life practices that are not good. And I do that on a daily basis. So I do bad stuff on a daily basis that I need to cut off. Um, and, and 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 just being able to be productive that way like knowing that i will wake up tomorrow and i will improve on what i did uh wrong yesterday actually brings me closer to the goals that i want in my life uh on a daily basis so i think that's that's my key motivation for doing that mostly
0: sure yeah and sorry i trust your second question
1: um my second question is what am i alive for you know uh, uh, that question is, is a deep question that I may not have answers for, but at least, you know, it, it, it keeps me grounded uh, somehow. Sure. Yeah.
0: Well, I'd imagine that shaped a lot of the, you know, the decisions to start Rainmaker, right? Um, just going through all those experiences and, and what you want to accomplish next, right? Yeah. 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 And do you have a third Don't make us reformat the app. That'll be challenging. We need three.
1: <laughs> my third question is, what make me alive? As in, you know, what make me alive? As in, what is my life worth for? Is different from what make me alive. What make me alive is, um, is mostly what make me happy. Uh, you know, and where do I find uh, my energy? Uh, those those are the questions and and yeah.
0: Yeah, thank you. I mean that that leads into to my last question is you know what what makes you smile
1: each day? Uh, I think life generally life is beautiful. Um, to be able to wake up in the morning healthy and you know uh, the sun and all of that and so I would just say like in general like just to be to be. To be alive in itself is a gift. It's it's uh, it's special, yeah. Yeah,
0: I I agree. And um, thank you, thank you for being uh, vulnerable and open and, and so honest with with all of us tonight, and, and sharing your story, and sharing your I think even more importantly, your mindset to life. Mm-hmm. Um, I can only hope this this will resonate and and help others that are going through different challenges regardless of what they are so so thank you for that and let's let's open it up if if anyone has any comments or questions for either myself or James we're uh we're wide open yeah go ahead
1: thank you James um I'm curious on what drives you so what is that one thing that gets you in the morning out of bed that keeps you going the late nights and kind of fuels your fire Um, I'll answer this I think I want to do a service to this discussion the title of this discussion was Unleashing Your Human Potential and I want to address your question thank you for asking I want to address it in a broader context and then bring it closer to what you asked specifically I want to to state clearly that People in the world who have accomplished great things, especially great things that they themselves consider great, um, and the world consider great as well, are people who fed their spirits. Uh, People who went after things that feed their spirit. And so um, and I wanted to bring this specifically to the core of the discussion because I consider three things very important. One is the mind, so the human mind. is one of the greatest things that differentiate human beings from anything else, not even computers, um, not even this, you know, the artificial intelligence that people are now considering really smarter than a human being. The mind is a great um, gift to humanity. The second thing is acknowledging actually what is a human potential. And the third is human spirit. So those three, I can bring them together. Your mind can be your enemy, or it could be your friend that can take you to places that no one else would ever dream of. My presence in this room today is partially because of my mind and in conjunction with my human potential that came about by tapping into my human spirit. Now, what drive me, for me at least, I discovered, even while I was living in difficult situations at times, I discovered that something that would get me out of bed, not because I'm lazy, but because maybe I'm hungry, because I haven't gotten food yesterday, um would be knowing that m- my life is is bigger than what is before me or in other words striving towards something that is bigger than me you know and without that like you will go through a difficult time as as a human being who is living uh, a life that is You know, living an average life that doesn't have something bigger than the life that you have, it becomes a little bit tricky. So, for me, at least, I know what keeps me motivated and what keeps me, like, what drives me is the fact that I'm working towards um, something bigger than me. You know, Uh, starting Rainmaker Enterprise, Rainmaker is small as an organization. But what I'm targeting to address through Rainmaker is it's bigger than Rainmaker, it's bigger than me, it's bigger than you, it's bigger than all of us combined. It's, it's an issue of death or life of other people. Uh, you know, people, thousands and millions of uh, people around the world who wake up uh, with no water to drink and, and no food to eat, you know, and, and I'm in Toronto. And maybe the biggest problem that I have is having a difficulty to wake up in the morning uh, and I will wake up and i have a, in my room I have a tap next to me, so I can easily wake up and just like you know take that I can stay in my room by the way for seven days and I will be alive you know and 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 just knowing that that you know I have it so easy uh, and you know like life to other people. Even if they want to leave, the circumstances around them doesn't allow them to live a life that is of their potential. Um, So that's a comprehensive answer that I can give you. Yeah. So thank you. I absolutely loved your talk on so many fronts, and I've got a lot of questions. Um, But what you just said there around, it's bigger than me, it's bigger than us in this room, it's bigger than anything. I'd actually like to kind of reverse that and distill it into, you've got a room full of people. So if we all leave here today, what is one thing you want us to either part with, or one action that we could actually take so we could influence that? Um, Thank you for bringing it to me, to, to you and to everyone. Um, I mean, because seriously, because sometimes uh, as I go through this, uh, it, it may be, we may get lost in the abs- abstraction. Yes. Um, and, and then we just think that, you know, we are helpless. We can't do anything or, you And then know, we don't take any action. Then we don't take any action. So for me, the first thing that I had to do, uh, as I said, to actually start an organization was to review what the problem is, and I knew the gravity of the problem, and then I took action, started the organization, and I went out. And you know, I also want to be clear on that. I started the organization not for me; it's it's not for me. And right now, it has like so many people. It's a movement. So anyone who wants to take action and wants to be part of something bigger than than, than themselves and be part of a solution. You have an open opportunity to be a part of this, um, so I can present that to you. Uh, if you want to be a part of something like, uh, you know, uh, like Rainmaker, then Rainmaker is there. If you want to be some part of something that is that you consider within your own definition, I mean, people who are in this room or anyone who is listening, then go out and find that thing that you think is bigger than you and be a part of it. Because the because there is everything that is available out there to be a part of. But for you today with Rainmaker, what is one thing you would want us to know or to take action on? I mean, we are trying to bring water to uh, populations of people who lack access to clean drinking water, and also water that they can use to, to do farming. Essentially, at this point in time, um, We are happy and very happy to to welcome anybody who is interested in in being part of this process of providing water to people. And there are so many ways that people can do that. Uh, If you are an individual who just want to be a part of something like that, and you either want to contribute your resource, no matter how small, then you are welcome to join the process and add to you know the contribution that will help us bring the water. So that's one tangible way. You can donate money. You can donate your time if you if you know if you have time. We, we, we organized a big event. That Mark was there. Uh, some people in the room were actually there, and it was a big event. We brought out General Delaire, We brought out Doctor Obinsky and so many other people. And it was just to have a conversation like this to make sure that and then donate money. And so. That's one way that somebody can help. You can either donate money, if you don't have, to, and if you don't have money, you can donate your time uh, to, to the organization. If you don't have the time to donate to the organization, then you can connect us to a resource, a company or, or another organization that can bring us closer to having water to people that need it the most. And as I said, it's bigger than me, it's bigger than anyone, yeah.
0: Can I, can I add to that? For everyone in the room so every morning when you get up and you turn the tap on to brush your teeth just take a moment and say thank you to yourself and be grateful for that water that's coming out of that tap and start your day off in a place of being grateful and thankful and i think if you if if we all commit to doing something like that every day i I know i've been blown away with what that can do because that means that your mind is more receptive to in initiatives that James is doing, but the, it, it's everything in front of you. Right. So I think that's a simple task. I mean, you, you brought up a great point and you can literally live in your room for, for seven days and be alive.
1: We don't think about that. Right. So, so I think I can actually add that, you know, even more so, for example, um, the reason why I, I would, I would even encourage, uh, whoever is listening or whoever is in the room to, to learn more, because um, when I talk about w- w- water and and I'm talking about people that don't have it, it's also very important to think about what is going to what is the future of water, for example. Yeah, even to us who have it now, uh, because it's a pressing issue, and, and and it's coming. And this is the lifeline of our human existence you know, the civilizations and everything. Like, everything depends on water. But unfortunately, because we live in a busy world, uh, a world that, you know, with our phones and and all these other um, comforts, we we don't take time to actually think about some of the disasters that await us. Um, And water is one disaster that is awaiting humanity. Overall, because the more we continue to be more people, and the more our demands increase, and the more uh, the climate change is becoming real with the droughts and all the other th- and and you know flooding that actually, you know, now uh, with with water from oceans that has salinity level that is too high, that is flooding into the lakes. And diluting the the fresh water to become sa- uh, salinity uh, water, uh, we are going to face an issue of lacking fresh water. This is this is real, and 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 so take your time and actually learn and and, and learn about some of these things because these are real stuff and 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 it's coming.
2: Hi there, thank you so much for um, sharing your experiences. Uh, I, my question is. Um, one of the things that I got from you as you were talking is that you have a very specific value system Um, I I hear from you that you value generosity I hear from you that you value contributing to something bigger than yourself I hear from you that you value finding joy in your life Um, and I I know that uh, different people have different value systems, some people value competition, some people value gathering resources, some people value finding things that um, give them a feeling of having status or or worth that isn't necessarily connected to contribution or finding joy. How do you talk to people who have uh, markedly different value systems than you? you? How do you reach them? How do you connect with them?
1: That's a very good question. Uh, I acknowledge that fundamentally, um, and this is science by the way, fundamentally every human being, um, no matter what value system you ascribe to, there is a minimum to what we all as human beings um, ascribe to. And some people want to get there, maybe by amassing, by collecting resources. Mm -hmm. Uh, some people want to get there by uh, being too competitive. Uh, some people want to get there in different ways, you know. But the bottom line is that, like, like w- as human beings, we have the same. We are wired almost similarly. Is, is are we on the same page there?
2: If I'm if I'm hearing you right, it sounds like you're saying that that. Even people who, on the surface, it appears that they have a different value system, it's it's coming from the same sort of human need. Yeah. And there's like a baseline human need that, that everybody kind of has, and that they go about it different ways.
1: Yeah. So by the end of the day, if what feeds your human spirit to be able to operate on a, at an optimal mm-hmm. is to amass resources, you know, like... It comes down to the bottom line of feeding your human spirit to be able to operate at an optimal. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I don't want to give away here, which I have to underline, is the fact that when all is said and done, mm-hmm. what is your life? You know, like, uh, th- that's my question to, that I would pose to somebody who may have his or her own uh value system but by the end of the day i will ask uh bottom line questions that every other human being may ask by the end of the day every human being must die yeah. like no I, I have not yet found a human being that has lived forever <laughs> 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 yes so so this is a bottom line for yeah. every human being so what is it about like now, now that all is said and done, now that you 've had all this and all that and, and, and that and that, so what is it about right and I will leave it to that person to define for himself or herself, you know, or they will define for themselves, but what is this uh, human essence that you have? what is it for right um, yeah thank you
3: for for your insights and 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 everything that you presented, and I guess the only thing that I question is your sanity about moving to Canada in January. But that's a discussion for another day. As as a as a born Canadian, even I don't like it here in January. But anyway, um, no. All kidding aside, though, you you have a very impressive grounding for for a young person. Um, and and for those that can't see me, I'm not a young person. So, um, but. you you have this very impressive grounding that uh, uh, shows that you have this uh, very, very solid morals, very, very solid values, uh, and, and you've obviously picked that up at a very young age. Some of it is probably from within. I'm curious about where it originates in terms of, you must have had some outside influences at a very young age that, that, that came into play here. So I guess the question directly is, who are you thankful for, for those values and that grounding?
1: Um. Thank you for your concern about my uh, sanity to move into Canada during winter time. Stay in the room, <laughs> um, and also, most importantly, thanks a lot for your comment. Um, You're right. I mean, no one, no no one comes from a vacuum. You know, it's it's, it's not possible. Even when I describe a situation that I was born into as war and all of that. The war was something that was imposed. It was not my family, it was not my community that was, you know, uh, and, and, and even despite the war, there was still a very strong value system that I was born into. And um, I'm, I'm most thankful for, you know, the community that, you know, the, the whole essence of what people say that it takes a, a village to raise a child. It took a village to raise me, really, um, uh, even despite all the other things that I mentioned. Um, I, I come from a, a family of people who value you know, uh, the, 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 the ideas that come from the elders. And, and one thing that I didn't mention when I started my business is that um, some of the elders that were in my community so what I was doing and they started inviting me to their uh, Council of Elders Meetings. And they would sit me down and, you know, they will just call me and I sit there and they will ask my opinions. If I can say something, sure. If I have nothing to say, then I will nod my head and they will move on with the decision they are making for the village. So that's one. Um, My grandmother, I would say, uh, is is one person that I can uh, point to as someone I'm grateful for uh, passing on her wisdom. And uh, she's a very wise woman, I think. Um, She talks in numbers. I think if she was in the crowd, she would have told me to keep quiet by now. (laughs) Uh, Because she says, I will tell you three things, and then she goes, one, two, three, and that's it. Um, I think, I can also say my mom was a huge influence, you know, she raised very strong boys that were very you know, as you can imagine, if you were a parent and your child decides to to go on an adventure that he calls a business you know, at age 10 um, you would be so worried I, I can imagine you know, going into a ghost town that just Left like came out of a, a bombardment, and there are still fresh um, fresh bombs that have not yet exploded and I went there that's tough on the minds of my mom, and she you know she she had that mental fortitude to allow me to do what I have to do in order to be where I am today so i i I also think that I got a lot from from her and uh, and, and then just like the overall society, like every day I take you know, the world as my education system, you know, meeting with people randomly uh, that gives you knowledge and, and, and some wisdom and, you know, just observing human beings. To me, human beings are the most interesting beings ever. Uh, even though we are also the, s- the sources of some of the problems we are dealing with, we are also the solution. So, yeah, thank you. All right. Any other question? Yeah.
0: Um, thank you so much, James. It's always such a pleasure uh, hearing you speak. I'm always blown away. Um, one of the questions I had was how um, it's, it's good to understand that you have something that drives you, that helps you to continue your day to day process that, you know, that puts you in a positive direction. Um, I'm curious to know what are some of the things that you avoid, that you purposely avoid to keep you on track?
1: Wow. I mean, um, you know, one difficult thing that I actually found, um, especially this is a challenge that I only got to face here, is just especially with how my work become more uh, involving and more involving. Mm Is to find the balance between uh, between uh, the social, you know, like the whole phones and like uh, social connectivity and, and and all of these things. As much as it is important, for example, the work that I do involves a lot of informing, you know, the world about some of this important stuff. Mm-hmm. For me, I think one of the things that I try, especially these days, to stay on track is to find balance between you know plugging into that social media which can be actually like a shithole
3: mm.
1: um, <laughs> and 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 also staying on top of what I want to do mm. so I think there's one thing that I can say um, and I can reference one example like last month I was in San Francisco for a training a course mm-hmm. pro- program, and um, we were staying at on a resort. And this is like a remote place. It doesn't have any, any internet or uh, any connectivity. Yeah. And I could see uh, a change in my focus and in my attention span and, and all of that. So one of the things that I've been trying gradually with no success that I can report yet on <laughs> is actually finding the balance between, OK, Social connectivity, like online digital connectivity, mm-hmm. and just actual connectivity, and doing my actual work. Okay. So I think that's one thing that I can point to. Thank you. That is useful. Yeah. Thank
0: you. Well, thank you, sir, for that extended round of uh, questions, and again for for your participa- participation and everyone here for participating. Like I said. The beginning. Um, this is going out to a lot of people, so thank you again for for being a part of this journey until the and next thank one. Thank you,
1: thank you for listening and questions. Yeah.